Hi and welcome to the channel. This is Grace and Mercy and I'm John Goodman and I'm joined today by Gareth Dix, who's a great friend of mine back from the days when we were in college. Gareth, welcome. It's great to see you. Can you tell us a little bit about the context in which you work? Hey John, hey everyone. Yes, I'm an Associate Minister at All Saints Woodford Wales in Essex. Great time there, and it, but it's you know it's a real challenge in this lockdown situation. We're trying to work out what church is all about when we're all in our houses, and yeah, it's just a really, as you can imagine, really strange time to be alive. Parallel universe, absolutely. Yep, completely. Yeah, completely. <laughs> well, Gareth and I have often we we've spent time, haven't we, studying the Bible together back when we were at college, but occasionally on on FaceTime ever since, and. It's it's good opportunity, I think, to be able to open that up to other people and share uh, some of how we do that and uh, what we're learning from the passages as as we go. Uh, we're hoping to work through some of Matthew's gospel. And today we're looking at Matthew chapter one, where we've got the genealogy of Jesus and some of the birth narrative. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to studying this with you. Uh, yeah, you know a bit about Matthew, don't you? You've, you've studied it quite a lot. I say this is like one of your specialist subjects, isn't it? Um, can you tell us what you've learned, particularly like as you studied, because you've really gone into the authorship of it, haven't you? And, and found all sorts of interesting things on the background and, and the context and those sorts of things. Well, I, yeah, I quite geeked out on it a little while ago because I, I started to... Uh, really wonder about the the different yeah dating uh, of the of the text uh why was it written particularly and uh, one of the commentaries that i was reading talks about it being a a, a manual for discipleship um i like that that's yeah. a good word that's a good way of putting it, it it's really this idea that they went on this journey with jesus that was how they learned from jesus and, and this is an invitation for us to go on, the, on, on that same kind of a journey. Uh, one of the things about the, the Gospels is that the, the dating of them has been quite contested, particularly uh, in, in the 18th and 19th centuries by the kind of scholastic movement in Germany. And they were trying to peddle the idea, really, that Jesus must have been a, a kind of holy guy who had some great messages to teach and... Uh, but for him to be God, that, that it must have taken time for uh, history to become legend, to become myth. And, and this this Christ figure, uh, the divinity of Jesus, is, is perhaps a, a later development. And I, I yeah. don't think any uh, any mainstream evangelical scholars uh, would hold to that. You know, I think most people no, that read the Bible right. realize these are eyewitness accounts. The, these are Jesus's disciples. But even still, there's this tendency to say, actually, they were written really late in the life of, 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 of uh, the disciples. And it it was very much, uh, oh, we're going to die soon. Uh, we need to put this down on paper. But I came across this scholar called Carsten Peter Tede, uh, who had, he was an expert in uh, pap papyrology. I can't even say it properly. Uh, and they 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 look at they look at, uh, at the actual manuscripts that have been dug up, Dead Sea Scrolls, all that kind of thing. Um, and through a discipline that I probably also can't say called uh, haplography. That's impressive. I couldn't say yeah. that. They, <laughs> what they what they're doing is they're able to date uh, they're able to date the, the the physical copies that they've got uh, as accurately as as like carbon dating and, and that kind of thing 
based on handwriting style, what what ink is used, what the paper's like, all of that, all of that kind of thing. And what got me really interested in this was was he said, like, you know, I I that he had found he thought a fragment of the gospel that dated to before the destruction of, of the temple from the Jerusalem area. And that that got me asking loads of other questions, looking at other scholars like Larry Hurtado and stuff and saying, well, what is what is the evidence of the date of, of this? And I became really quite convinced uh, by actually looking at the internal evidence within the text, because it, it finishes by saying, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. So it's a missionary book. It's a, it's it's got an idea that's really really clear that the gospel is for the whole world. Go out and share this good news, and that there's a commission there and a mission there. Uh, and and yet, there's really nothing in there to address the issue of how you be a Christian if you're a Gentile. Yeah. It, it, and early on in the book of Acts, they have the Council of Jerusalem. They ask the question, you know, does a Christian need to obey all of the Jewish law? And if you're writing a disciple, a discipleship manual for the early church, you know, this, this is quite a key issue that you want to raise and help people understand. Especially when your concern is to take the gospel to all the nations and it doesn't address that. And so I think that, that puts it well before the destruction of the temple uh, but actually, even before they start having that discussion in the Book of Acts, so I, I think we're we're talking about f- five to absolutely max ten years after the resurrection that this is uh, put down on paper and in circulation, and I think that's really really exciting because yeah. it means you've got Levi, uh, who who then was was a tax collector, brought into the discipleship by Jesus. Uh, with his skill of shorthand and and writing that he would have had for doing that job, actually taking notes, perhaps even, you know, sit there on the Sermon on the Mount, taking some notes, uh, writing it down that evening, working it through. Um, You know, he may have actually begun authoring this during the life of Jesus, but certainly, certainly shortly after, after the resurrection. Quite incredible, I think. It is. And anything that the fact that we've got this, this, word now that we we in our hands and we read it and everything that's gone before that and you sort of think actually i find it amazing that as christians we don't read our bibles as much as as we should i mean that that's a given we know that but actually when you think about all the things that you've just said plus people like um, william tyndale who was hunted down like an animal and eventually killed for his his desire to make the bible available to people I just kind of think it's crazy when we think about how we'd rather just switch on the television and watch Netflix rather than read this book of salvation that has been given to us. It, to me, it, just, it, is, it is actually crazy. Yeah. And, and it, the, I mean, the other part of the story is that, that people say that Matthew was kind of copying from Mark. Yeah. Again, the, the early manuscripts seem to suggest Matthew wrote, wrote it first. Uh, and Mark was, Mark was um, probably not one of the twelve but but uh, someone that came to faith later so i i think that makes this a really really good gospel uh, for people to start with um and i i think it you know when i read this i feel like it, it puts me so close so close to the events like oh yeah you know this is this is first hand 
from the people that were there. You know, love it. Absolutely love it. I came to faith reading Mark Matthew's Gospel. Did you? The, yeah, I didn't literally know that. sat yeah. in my room, sat in my room as a 23 year old. Um, I just just was reading the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter five, and I just got on my knees and made a commitment to to follow Christ. That, that that's that is my favourite gospel in that sense. Um, I mean, I'd say my favourite gospel is probably the Gospel of John because I've kind of read it so much. But Matthew's gospel is very special and it's very clear and easy to understand as well. I find. Yeah. You can really yeah. understand Matthew's gospel, particularly if you're a new Christian or a seeker. And we often have a, a a laugh about you know um treasuring the bible don't we and, and yeah. um you know we 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 like our bibles to be treasure so yeah. what what bible are you reading from today um so you got a uh, ESV okay it's all about the ESV isn't it i mean you know i can't decide between the ESV and NASV that's my geek mode but yeah i'm using the ESV today excellent i know it's your favorite version so we might as well just be on the same yeah, page I'm, I'm holding an esv this one this one's the uh the omega from crossway so it's, it's that is, that nice, is a nice vibe. goat skin smells yeah, good this is goat skin as well you can actually <laughs> sort of you can smell it and it does smell nice even though seriously though if you think how much money people spend or we spend on a phone or a tablet or just some you know all sorts of things i think having a decent bible well you know why not spend 100 quid on a decent bible it's my opinion but yeah, I, I think I think it's nice to have a decent Bible and and nice to see when somebody's actually written something on every page and 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 there's there's notes and there's yeah, it's been loved and used, loved and used and 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 yet still ha- holding together because it's a quality a quality thing. It's good fun. Um, so this this genealogy, I, I've read it uh, a number of times, and I must confess, I normally have skipped skipped it right. Yeah, Probably the list of names, a list of yeah. people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but actually, I was reading this recently, and I I, I read this uh, when it once we get down to verse twenty two. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and and it, actually that that kind of looks back, doesn't it? All of this took yeah. place, all of it. So God is is somehow, you know, working through all of these lives and and sovereign through all of that but when you when you actually remember those stories there's some there's some dark stories there yeah some trouble all Very of that so. uh i mean how, how do you feel about that you know god's sovereignty you know where where is god through all of this history that 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 represents well i think that the main things that the, the bible is god's plan for salvation and the fact that god had this plan from the beginning of time and uh amazingly kind of sort of starting with abraham where is israel wasn't a thing until god sort of picks out abraham this seemingly random pagan guy who's married to his half sister and god and who's his whose sister is unable to have children as well and god just picks him out and says i'm going to make you into a great nation and i'm going to make your descendants as innumerable as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and what God also says to him, doesn't he? He says, uh, I, I want to bless you, make you a great nation, but I want to bless the nations through you. So there's something of God calling uh, Abraham and making a nation in order that he would make himself known to other nations. It's not just some kind of exclusive um, club that God's created, uh, it's an exclusive people. This is actually they're meant to be different, live differently and make God known to those around them. 
so that yeah. salvation could come to others. And that's like when we see in, in the uh, genealogy, we see the likes of Rahab, who actually uh, was a Canaanite prostitute. And yet uh, because of the because of the Israelites, she recognized that this this God is real and, and starts to believe in him and, and joins the people of Israel. And then you've got people like Moses, you know, people like Moses, who uh, his name literally meant drawn out of the water. So he's prophetically named and then leads Israel out uh, through the Red Sea. And but particularly King David, I think that that's a real key one is, I mean, we look at how uh, King David uh, in, in two kings, when when King David uh, decides he's going to build God a, a, a temple, a house, which is very yeah. nice of him. But as God points out through prophet Nathan, I didn't ask you to do that. I'm going to build you a house. And God's actually talking about a household, a dynasty that he's actually going to to build for him a, a family, this dynasty, which Christ would come through. And and we also see when we look at King David, we see Solomon. Now, Solomon obviously came out of that um, adulterous relationship between David and Bathsheba in which he had her husband Uriah the Hittite murdered. So that's another really dark one. But another uh, name which we see in there is King Manasseh, who's a really evil man, um, a king of Judah. And, and he actually even sacrificed his own son. And uh, the, 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 literally the, the rivers of blood, the shed of the innocent. And, and, he, and he led Judah into worshipping an occultic practices and worshipping idols. Yeah. And yet there's a, there's a wonderful account of it in, in two Chronicles where he actually re- repents and comes back to God. And and there is this this amazing moment with uh, with Manasseh where he comes back to God in full repentance. And the fact that he's in there, the fact that he is in the the genealogy, these, these aren't like squeaky clean, nice people. Yeah, there's some righteous people and King David, who was the man after God's own heart, and yet really messed up in a big way. So and it's it's quite emotional, isn't it? Because yeah, completely. You know, there's this sense of, OK, well. We'll look back at our lives and and things maybe we're not proud of bad experiences we've had things that we've done things that have been done to us and there's this there's this way of looking at that that says actually god god was working his way through all yeah. of that he was he was walking alongside uh yes challenging yes calling us to repent sometimes angry uh but loving his way his way through that um, back to, to Abraham, a lot of people won't necessarily know uh, that the name Abraham is almost like a pun, you know, and it, it, it sounds like I'll bless you all. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like his name is I'll bless you all. I'll bless you all. I'll bless you all. The American spin on it. Yeah. yeah. Hi, what's your name? My name is I'll bless you all. <laughs> you know. He's the popular and, uh, guy. Yeah, but the, but the 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 fact is this is this is who who Jesus is. He's a he's a blessing for everyone. That's that's where he comes he comes from, and I, I, and I think there's something also about the the Jewish people in that you know that at the at the beginning of our journey of Christian discipleship, there's this uh, placing of that in the context of of the history uh, of the people of Israel, and you know. Today, when we've seen uh, high profile in the news, all the stuff about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, that kind of thing, you know, what what does this tell us about the the heart posture of a Christian towards the people of Israel? Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, we, we know that God really loves his His people, Israel. And he actually says Esau hated, but Israel I loved. And God, the, the whole thing about salvation is it's about election. It's about that God chooses 
mm. and something which a lot of people struggle with. But the whole thing about about justice is none of us deserve grace. None of us deserve forgiveness. And yet God chooses his people, Israel, and he actually shows what it means to, to give grace to. So God, God loves them and he chooses this this little loser of a nation and he loves them and he cherishes them. And he often talks about Israel as being his bride. And there's a wonderful moment in Ezekiel chapter 16 where he talks about this this beautiful young woman that, that, that he saved as a baby and, and brought mm-hmm. up to maturity. And there's that sense of God. You know, God is in love with his people. He loves yeah. Israel. And. Uh, like I, I've often said, I, I don't understand how any Christian could not have that deep compassion and love for the Jews because they are God's cherished people. And that's not yeah. to say that many of them who are in the Judaistic religion um, still under the old covenant need to come to full repentance and faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. But the Apostle Paul is actually talking about that in Romans 9 and 11. He's talking about how his his heart breaks for his kinsmen and how he himself would be accursed and cut off if he could be, which I find that so challenging. Like, wow, yeah, could you honestly say, yeah. I wish that I my own salvation, I could forfeit my own salvation for my kinsmen. But that is really a reflection of just how much God loves um, Israel. Uh, and actually, we see, obviously, again, that he says later on in Romans 11 that, that all of the remnant of Israel will be saved. So this this idea of replacement theology where uh, the Christians kind of replace Israel is wrong. It, it, it very much is that, that God's people, the Jews, are, are still very much a part of his plan. And so I think particularly in, in a good, a really important thing for us to do is to pray for the nation of Israel, for the people of Israel, for that that remnant that God would start bringing them back to him. Mm. And I guess the other thing is then <clears throat> in seeing how how God is working his purposes out through all of this is like right now with COVID-19, yeah. with lockdown to a lot of people, it's going to feel just like the twilight zone, but to, yeah. to those people whose lives have actually been touched by it, who've lost a loved one, those people working on the front lines uh, in the health service, that kind of thing, it might feel almost like the world is burning. Yeah. Lives are broken. Uh, people are grieving and, uh can we can we have confidence that that god is sovereign in this like is god working out his purposes still through this absolutely i think that clearly the message of the bible is it is god with us isn't it right in the garden with with adam and eve god is with them and then um with with moses and the israelites there he is in the tabernacle i mean that in itself is amazing god with his people in the tabernacle and then when christ comes um to earth the incarnation the son of god put on flesh and dwelt among us god with us and then pentecost the holy spirit fell on the disciples god with us and and now god is with us by his holy spirit indwelling us and one day I think really sooner than people think Christ is going to come again and bring us up to be with him. Those of us who are in Christ and who follow him faithfully and we will spend eternity with him. So in this confusing state, for those of us who are Christians, we have a hope that won't disappoint in Christ. We know we have eternal salvation, but we also know he's here with us by his Holy Spirit. He's filling our hearts with joy and with with peace and hope. So. And I also think as well that something God is really wanting to do specifically in the church is to shake us out of our comfort zone. And amazingly, like everything's being shut down, isn't it? All the all the idols have been knocked over and dismantled. So things like I mean, as Christians like myself, I love football. And sometimes I think I probably love it a bit too much. Like you kind of stop everything. Got to watch this football match or got to watch this television program or I've got to do this. And, you know, all sorts of things that we 
think are really important. Education. I mean, I think education is really important. However, I think there is this kind of idolatry about we have to be able to go to this particular university to get this kind of particular job to earn this particular amount of money. All these things are kind of being really put to one side. And now we're being left with the question of what really matters. And the answer, of course, is our salvation and being right with with God. And I really think that's what this is all about, the season that we're in. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the, uh, the book really reminds us of that because we start with this is the book of the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ. It's telling us who God is, uh, who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. Uh, and and uh, we've got this this explanation from verses 18 of how he's born, uh, that, that she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. It's the virgin birth narrative that sense of this is not this is not an ordinary bloke this is god incarnate and um, and we're told we're told uh that he's come uh you know to sa- save his people from their sins she will bear a son it's verse 21 and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins so that that's the mission of god that's the purpose of jesus uh, in his life death and resurrection uh, the whole story that we're going to to the whole journey that we're going to go through as we go through the book but i was really encouraged watching a a video from a preacher that we both like actually called paul washer yeah uh, paul washer <laughs> and and you know he was talking about when we're in a difficult time like we are one of the things is is just knowing who jesus is uh, and yeah. he gives an example of uh going to a hotel or something somewhere and and they're you know feeling a little bit awkward about handing over the keys to the the guy that parks the car for you you know uh but then he's 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 saying you know i've got a friend who who comes and and uh you know he come and nick my car keys anytime i don't even ask him what he's doing you know because i know who he is do you know what i mean yeah uh and uh if we know if we really know who jesus is maybe we don't need to know exactly what he's doing yeah completely maybe we can just trust uh and and i i think that is a really comforting thought it's like the child that is 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 frightened or panicked or crying but as soon as mum or dad is there everything's okay again uh yeah very much so i think this is what that's what's so comforting certainly for me is I know God's with me through this. That's not to say it doesn't make it any less frustrating or difficult or upsetting at times. But there's that feeling of reassurance. There's that deep knowing, well, he's with he's with us through this. And I can't imagine what it'd be like for for those people who don't know Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior, living this really quite scary situation where people are dying. And so there's the fear of death in people and there's the confusion and life is kind of lost its comfort and enjoyment and you you know we're social beings we like to be around one another and that's what gives us energy and uh and that's how we enjoy life and all of a sudden all that's been stripped away and i really think there is you're either going to know the presence of god and be Ah. blessed by him or or you're going to be in a really painful and and confusing place and that's we want to persuade anyone who's watching this who doesn't know the lord jesus to say to, to come in and to have that relationship with him because it really changes your life completely and it changes the way you see life and, and everything yeah. around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that that phrase, uh, save his people from their sins, we, we're getting to the heart of what the gospel message is yeah. 
is there, aren't so. we? And and I think um, sin is something that people don't necessarily easily uh, understand. But I think an easy way of thinking about it is is hurting God or, or um, you know, offending God, uh, hurting or offending each other, hurting it or offending ourselves. You know, they're they're not sins are not good things to be doing. They're not like you know they're not like the the ice creams that they sell you know that are called the seven no. deadly sins you know they're not <laughs> yeah oh let's have a, a a little bit of fun with some temptation no sins sins are are bad things we're talking about law breaking we're talking about yeah. you know transgressing 10 commandment stuff yeah. yeah i had a friend who used to say uh well you know I, I think we live under grace now you know we don't necessarily need to uh, obey the 10 commandments and i was like well which, which, which one are you wanting to break like do you want to yeah. lie <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to steal? Want to steal? Yeah. Are you going to kill? <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this is this is serious. It's absurd, isn't it? it? It is, but but you know, we're through this journey. We're gonna we're gonna really hear where God's heart is on this. And Jesus is saying, you know, as we get later into the book, into the Sermon on the Mount, things like you know, if if you even angry with someone, it's like committing murder in your heart. You know, yeah. Um, if you, if you look at someone lustfully, it's like um, you know. Uh, fornicating with them and that uh, once you once you get to that point and you, you think okay well, even my thought life can be sinful it, it's you know it's one of, I guess it's one of the toughest journeys in life to realize that there is no justification for our behavior for our story uh, for the things that we've done you know we are bankrupt before God under the wrath of God and you know that is that is it's a it's a crisis of self of self identity yeah, and everything, but so. actually it's a really important one because who who can be who can carry the weight of being self righteous all the time? Yeah, I mean the one of the one of the biggest problems that people have is this kind of not wanting to admit that we're sinners. So it always has to be we have this victim kind of mentality now and it and brokenness is the word people use have you noticed this people say oh i'm broken i, I i've had a yeah. difficult past it's affected me badly so it's all sort of stuff that happened to me in my past so you know my 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 dad was very distant with me or my mum wasn't very nice or i had a difficult upbringing and i'm not i want to not wanting to say that those things aren't genuinely part of shaping us who we are and wanting to get help in in various ways but it's when you start to kind of blame the decisions that you personally made on someone else to say, well, if my dad hadn't treated me like that, then I wouldn't go and do this. Or if I hadn't had that particular deprived upbringing, whatever it is, then I wouldn't have gotten with those people and I wouldn't have got into that bad relationship or I wouldn't have done this or that. It almost becomes doing exactly what Adam and Eve did, which was just pass the blame. Oh, oh, it was the woman. Yeah. It was the snake. You know, always yeah, we need to we need on. to like own it. You know, it's, yeah. it's our thing. It's our thing. It's yeah. my sin. I'm a sinner. I messed up. I, I rebelled against God. It's it's not something that's happened to me. It's something that I've done. And sin actually comes from within me. And the problem is not everybody else in the world. And it's an evil world. And poor little me lives in it. I'm actually yeah. very much part of that problem. I'm a sinner and I contribute to that by the wrong decisions I make. And that's where hum, it, there's a humbling that has to happen so that we recognize I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need to come to Christ. And I want to yeah. I have to own my sin and ask him for his forgiveness and receive his forgiveness and salvation. There has to become a humbling and a recognizing and admitting I'm wrong. I'm a sinner and self-righteous by definition is saying that you are righteous according to you. Yeah. Which, which in the end is a tougher burden to carry. Yeah. And actually, you know, 
what we're talking about is not condemnation but conviction yeah and the the distinction between those is very very important because condemnation there's um there's there's a kind of despair with that right whereas with conviction there's a sense of of purposeful hope that comes with it right and that yeah and i think you know what we're being told we're not being told uh you know you're 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 hated by god or, or something like that we're saying that while you were still a sinner christ died for you god you know he he's um his response uh is to save us from our sins so and and it's how that saving works that i think is also really really important and and uh often not understood and we'll get to that I'll, you know kind of jumping ahead of myself slightly but i want to point out at this early stage that i think that that it is a crucial issue for people to understand uh penal substitution as yeah, very as much so happening uh, on the cross because it actually gets to the heart of both of the things that we were saying about sin the things that we've done there is a penalty uh, due for that and to know that jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and took the weight of that on himself uh, that god's wrath was poured into him that he took the, pay, the the punishment means that the debt is paid we go free right yeah so you know if, if you're at a restaurant and somebody pays the bill you don't also try and pay the bill afterwards you know no. it's settled uh uh if some if you've served your prison sentence you're free it's you know if the fine is paid uh it's paid and that that enables us i think to to uh to walk free to to be free to live differently uh to walk in repentance to say well okay i recognize my sinfulness put jesus on the cross i'm now free from that and i'm i'm gonna walk in obedience from now on right um but also that victim thing that we're talking about it gives us the opportunity to be able to forgive yeah because vengeance is mine says the lord uh we don't have to hold we we don't have to hold that wrath against anybody uh we can trust it we can trust it to god because uh whether it be that he in the end uh punishes with hell or whether it be that he forgives the debt gets paid yeah it's like the the um the punish uh, god's wrath is going to be met out even on us or on his son jesus christ justice is going to be done through through christ or through through us on that day we're going to either we're going to soak up the wrath of god or or christ is it's kind of that's that's the choice we have to make isn't it and it, it, it's it's an incredible release an incredible freedom and, and the you know other things come from that so self-esteem can come from that you know jesus didn't die so that i can feel good about myself but because jesus died and set me free i can feel uh uh, good about it you know uh, jesus's victory over death and the resurrection does conquer the the power of evil because the power of evil is is basically violence and the fear of death if we're not afraid of death anymore you know he's he's conquered that um but that's more it's more like an outworking of um of what's happened the core of it is that um is that penal substitution through which our sins are forgiven and you know i think that will become clearer and clearer uh, as we journey through the book so how how does it make you want to pray then uh this uh, this 
Just reading this, it kind of when I when I pray, it makes me want to first of all repent for uh, panicking in times like this and forgetting that God has actually got a plan and and those sort of moments where I'm sort of panicking, thinking, oh, this this is never going to work out. Um, it also makes me want to thank God that that He has already put in place that means by which I'm saved through Christ, so that. I mean, there's so much, like I said before, there's so much, so much fear of death going on now with all these people dying in this in this pandemic that I just want to thank God that I don't have the fear of death anymore. I don't I know that when I die, I know that I'm going to be with the Lord. Um, but it also makes me want to pray for others who don't know him because God really, like we say, how much God loves his chosen people, Israel. God, God loves us so much that he's given everything like he's gone to all this trouble. Uh, and the Bible points to that, how much God is willing to do to bring about our salvation. And it makes me realize I need to pray more for those who are lost uh, and and to yeah. ask God to really move their hearts and use this time, use this COVID-19 time as, as actually a real time of salvation. Because I recognize when, when I read through, particularly the beginning of Matthew, you just see all of this has been set up. Uh, and in order that people would come to faith in Christ and be redeemed and brought into salvation. And so, yeah, my main prayer is going to be just just want people to know God's love. That Actually, it's a really loving thing for God to kind of put put the skids under a lot of things that people maybe would would lead them away from from God. I mean, there's a a story I love from Charles Spurgeon. He uses this analogy of uh, I think it's Michelangelo, someone who's who's painting the ceiling, and he's got this this beautiful ceiling that he's painted, and he's and he's kind of looking up at the ceiling, admiring his handiwork. And he's up, he's like several meters up, uh, right up there on this on this kind of scaffolding, and he's he's kind of stepping backwards with his head tilted back, admiring the his art, his artwork on the ceiling. And his friend down at the ground level realizes that if he takes one step back, he's going to fall to his death. So what he does is he grabs a, a like a bucket of white paint runs runs to the front of the scaffolding and throws this white paint all over the ceiling so that so that the the, the artist runs forward to shout at his friend and he saves his life and he uses that as an illustration sometimes god will kind of scupper things in our lives in order to save us spiritually because our lives were just so neat and tidy and everything was just how we wanted it but we were headed towards a lost eternity and i just really pray that this whole band pandemic will be a time where God uses the messiness of it all to actually bring people to see him at work in this mess and, and to bring about a large number of salvations. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> I was remembering one of the things I wanted to say was about how, um, you know, uh, wrath and love are not um, disintegrated concepts, but they're, they're integrated concepts that, um, you know, I, I I don't like the idea of a God uh, who who doesn't care, is negligent and just says, yeah, anything goes, you, you know, whatever. I'll sit by and I'll watch all this law breaking and evil and all, all of that kind of thing. No, we, we want a God who actually is uh, passionate for holiness uh, and, and is going to do something to set the world to set the world right. And it's one of the key differences between Christianity uh, and most other uh, philosophies um uh, religions or any other scheme of thought because uh it's this idea of of not not coming to terms with how the world is necessarily no. but recognizing that uh the world is broken and actually needs a savior um i suppose for me in praying i want to be thinking okay let's let's just remember 
Jesus who you are in this time you know and and there's so many things we can't control right now yeah um, so right you know but i i want to i want to be yeah in one sense letting go and and letting god carry us through this and saying i trust you uh, uh i trust you because you've proven yourself actually and he has proven himself the courage uh that that jesus brought the love that jesus brought the you know strength that he brought it just just he is trustworthy um so i guess that would be my prayer uh almost like over to you god i trust you yeah um, and just uh, that's actually a really good prayer just lord i trust you and anyone yeah. who's listening to this and thinks oh, i'm not very good at praying well actually it's okay little prayers are fine yeah lord i trust you lord help me lord help my unbelief lord protect me and look after my family yeah, yeah little prayers are good I think that's I think that's a brilliant place uh, for us to to conclude. Uh, I just want to remind people to hit the subscribe button, uh, smash the like button, and uh, we'd love you to join us uh, for another Bible study soon. Um, and we'll be going into Matthew two, a little bit less of the overview, a bit more in depth uh, of the text next time. And we're we're uh, it's the whole story of Herod and the flight to Egypt and uh, Jesus' return to Nazareth. So uh, join us again next time for that. We'll try and put this out uh, as a podcast as well. Uh, and yeah, join us, subscribe, share. Uh, and thank you, Gareth, so much for, for joining us today. And uh, Cheers, we'll John. see you next time. See you next time.